What's up, you guys? It's your host, Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. If there was one word I could use to describe becoming a mother, it would be sacrifice. Everything about trying to conceive, pregnancy, birth, stepping into the new role as parents, it all requires sacrifice. Zoe is here today to tell us about just that. Zoe was diagnosed with a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum in the early weeks of pregnancy, and you really won't believe everything she went through after that. This is one you don't want to miss. Tune in, and let's get a little more educated together. Zoe Gordon. Um, I'm from Salt Lake. I got married January of 2021 and pregnant of February 2021. So, and that's where your story begins. That's where I begin. (laughs) Yep. So, how old were you when you got married? I was 21. I was 20. Okay. Yes, I turned 20 a month before our wedding. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like a young 20. Oh yeah, so I got married, pregnant, and had a baby at 20 years old. Zoe, wow, you're a super mom. Um, tell us how you met your husband, because you got married so young. I'm yes. kind of curious. So we met when I was still in high school. It was okay. the end of my senior year, and he was older. We were at the gym, kind of random. I was not even working out. I was doing homework <laughs> with my friend, who was working out with her trainer, and he just came up and introduced himself. Hi. I'm Trey. I'm like, um, yes, I know who you are. Yeah, like, you're like, come on. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. Because he did go to your same high school. Yeah, but yeah. we missed each other in high school because I was okay. younger, but I went to school with his younger brother, so I totally knew who okay, he was. Okay, okay. But, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. Hilarious. That's yeah. amazing. I know, kind of random. <laughs> and how long did you date after you We met? dated for two years before getting married. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Even though it sounds like, holy crap, you yeah. got married, had a baby, all in like yes. a second. Yeah, we were together for other. three years before yeah. we had a baby. So. Okay. Okay. That gives Trying like... to justify that, make it sound <laughs> like it's better than it is. No, not that it's bad in any way, but it does sound kind of shocking. Like, girl, are you okay? Yes, no, like seriously. It was a lot all at once. <laughs> but amazing. And your husband's amazing. I also he's, went to high school with him. Yes. He's like He's hilarious. just the best. Yes. The best of the best. We so love totally him. totally lucked out. Um. So you guys get married in January, Mm -hmm. and then, like, you were telling me you have Hashimoto's disease. Yes. Can you give us a little, like, background into what that is? Because I think that'll kind of explain how you ended up. So when I was 14, (laughs) we found a tumor in my throat um, that my doctor felt and was like, oh, have you always had this? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I just thought it was an Adam's apple, which sounds kind of dumb, but I thought that we just all had them. Yeah. And he was like... Worst case scenario, thyroid cancer is the best kind of cancer to have. You're like... I froze. I said, oh, I have cancer. I was bawling. But they did an ultrasound, did a biopsy, 
it totally was benign. just yeah they okay. just said okay they did blood work and found it's a goiter is what they call it on your mm-hmm. thyroid um looks like your thyroid levels are a little off they diagnosed me with Hashimoto's and later that year they removed half my thyroid because it continued to grow you could see it it was about a golf ball size thing in my throat Um, so they removed my right thyroid in 2015 um, and just found that my left thyroid still functions pretty regularly enough that I don't need to be on thyroid medication as of now but the main thing that affects me it's an autoimmune disease so i'm sick often um and when i even get a cold i have it for two weeks three weeks so like my voice right now i just got over a cold but it just (laughs) kicks me down yeah so even just the smallest things really take me out so that was just kind of the perfect storm for my pregnancy (laughs) (laughs) so for real so you already have this autoimmune disorder you're dealing with Mm -hmm. So that, like you told us, you couldn't really kind of get on birth, birth control. Birth control, yeah. So my body just has a hard time with synthetic hormones. Um, my periods were horrible growing up, which was one of the things that was a symptom of my Hashimoto's that we didn't know because I started my period before my diagnosis. Um, but they were really painful, really crampy. I would bleed so heavily. Um, we didn't really know why and yeah. that made sense when I was diagnosed, but we tried birth control early on to see if we could just kind of like settle my period down. Yeah. We tried different pills, but again, the hormones with my already half a thyroid at that point had a hard time just synthesizing those and mm-hmm. having a hard time with them. So my mood would get screwed up when I was on the pill. We tried a Nuva ring. My oh, period yeah. was so heavy. I bled it out. Oh, my gosh. Um, so at 14 I got my first IUD um and it just we tried it for about a year and I thought it was going well but it just didn't the hormones in my body I could just feel a difference so we didn't love that tried a different IUD so it was a long time coming of just trying different things and by the time I was getting married I needed something that was going to work as birth control, obviously, because prior to that, that wasn't the purpose yeah, it was like, serving. Yeah, you this is me just trying to figure yeah. out my period, not trying to figure yeah. out Yeah, so at that point, my I was switching OBs. I was trying to find a new OB, so I had an appointment scheduled two months after my wedding to meet with a new OB, see if he had a different recommendation. So mm-hmm. we were taking a break, just giving my body a second to kind of regroup before meeting with my OB, and... I got pregnant a month after my wedding, so (laughs) word to the wise, don't take a break from birth control unless you want to have a baby. (laughs) You are just fertile, sis. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is Hashimoto's often comes along with infertility. Infertility. Yeah. So in my mind, I told my husband, like, like, there's no way. There's literally no way. Like, we could actively try for a year and still struggle and need to do fertility treatment. You know, we just didn't know. I could not have been more (laughs) wrong. So, which is amazing because it's a blessing. No, it's great. Yes, we look at your tiny little human. I know the cutest baby I've ever seen in my life. She's an angel. We love her. Um, So, tell me how you found out you were pregnant. So, March seventeenth. So, almost exactly two months after my wedding, we were getting ready for a work event for my husband. He's downstairs. I'm in the shower, and I was like, my boob hurts so bad, and I had tiny boobs, like. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. But my period should have started within a couple days. 
yeah, so I was like, I'll just take a pregnancy test. I took tons because we weren't on birth control. I'd take them all the time just, yeah, just to because be, I'm, yeah, yes. I'm crazy. And <laughs> no, they just, always were just like one line. I'd throw them away. They were just like yeah. those cheap strips. And yes. instantly, like within five seconds, it was like two solid, very solid dark lines. I was like, like I'm going to actually throw up. Yeah, It was, you hear about, you watch videos of people finding out they're pregnant. You hear about it. My whole, I just felt like, a completely different person all of a sudden my whole body felt different I was like oh my gosh I need to tell my husband oh my gosh I need to tell my mom my mom's gonna lose her mind I was so nervous but I just went down and showed Trey the pregnancy test and I started bawling just because I was like oh my gosh this is not happening this is not happening and he was just yeah he was just so nice and said it's great it's okay he was so kind I know but (laughs) That was, yeah, so I was four weeks. I found out, like, right at four okay. weeks. Okay. Wow. I know. Early on. Yes. Find out yeah, what. pretty early. But, like, also, how incredible that Trey was just, like, Yeah, he whatever. was awesome. So Let's I just go. called the OB the next day and said, I know I have a pregnant, or a appointment to get on birth control. Scratch that. I need an appointment. I'm pregnant. <laughs> they said, okay. They're like, perfect. Yeah, sounds good. So you're pregnant, and you're feeling okay yeah. in the beginning feeling fine okay. so at about five weeks um maybe almost six weeks I was having some cramping and I've had cysts ovarian cysts before that I've had rupture oh, wow. um and such so I it kind of felt like that just cramping but I was nervous because at that point I know I was pregnant I wasn't bleeding at all yeah. but I called the OB and said hey I'm having some cramping what should I do? They said, why don't you just come in for an ultrasound so we can check, make sure that everything's okay. You know, obviously I hadn't had any sort of checkups. So they wanted to make sure it wasn't ectopic or something like that. So I went in, they did an ultrasound, saw the baby. I had had a cyst rupture on one of my oh ovaries. Gosh. They could see just kind of like the fluid around. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple more cysts on my ovaries, but they're like, the baby looks great. I mean, it's tiny. It's a little speck. I'm like, that's crazy. But they said, everything looks good. Come back in next week for um, just a check so we can see if the cysts have gone away or how that's going. So they scheduled an appointment the next week just for a checkup. And within that week, I got sick. So at six and a half weeks on Easter, I threw up for the first time. And I remember I was like, oh, morning sickness. Like, Like, dang it. Yeah, everyone talks about this. This is such a bummer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. (laughs) Not really. <laughs> You're like, so, if only it had been morning. Yes. <laughs> so I met with my doctor that week for my seven-week check, or just for the check to follow up on my cysts. Yeah. And my husband and I were supposed to move to California the next day. He sells solar, and he was just doing a summer yeah. in California. So we had rented out our home in Lehigh for six months, and... We were going, which I was like, that's going to be great. I can just be at the beach. I'll be pregnant. It'll be fun. Just cute in my swimsuit, you know. Yes. No. (laughs) So go in. They say, yeah, your cysts look fine. I told them that I had been having some nausea and throwing up. So they gave me a prescription. I think it was for promethazine maybe or something. Maybe Zofran at the time. Tried it. The next day I was feeling so sick and we were supposed to drive to California we'd packed up our moving truck and I just told Trey I just don't feel good enough to go like I don't think I can sit in a car I was gonna have to drive one of the cars by myself while he drove the moving truck I just said I don't think I can do it yeah he said totally fine 
I'll drive the moving truck. I'll fly back next week and drive back, like drive out with you. So I was like, okay, sounds good. So he drove out and I was just at my parents for the week and just kept throwing up. And again, in my head, I was like, this is just morning sickness. This is probably pretty normal, pretty standard. Um, But I was just having a hard time with anything. It's not like there was crackers. It's not like I could eat saltines and feel better. It's not like I'd take my medication and feel okay. It wasn't just in the morning. It was throughout the day. Uh Um, Even water. Think like no, she didn't. No. When she is a teacher, so she was in okay. school. I was she at her house, but she wasn't home to yeah. see it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I just, again, I thought it was pretty normal. Yeah. I was still functioning okay. Like, I was in bed, but I'd get up and go places, do mm-hmm. things. I'd just throw up sometimes. Away. Yeah. And <laughs> But I just, yeah, thought it was pretty normal. So at seven and a half weeks, Trayson came back, picked me up, and we drove to California. Um, that was like April 11th and then we were there for 48 hours and on April 13th I realized that I hadn't been able to eat or drink anything without throwing it up in about two days so I called my OB and said I can take a sip of water and within about five minutes I'm running to the bathroom to throw up and they were like okay that you shouldn't you know yeah probably not shouldn't be happening so they said we should start you on just some home IV therapy sometimes if you're able to get some hydration in your body you tolerate food and water a lot better you're probably super dehydrated from throwing up so we should do that and I didn't even tell my OB that I was in California I was like Like, okay okay. (laughs) so they said we'll send a nurse to your house at like 10 tonight does that work I'm like yep hung up Tracen booked me a flight home I was on a flight flying home an hour later because our insurance was in Utah so so, I have to get home yeah or so we thought turns out I actually didn't even have maternity coverage so that was a whole other oh my extravaganza but we yeah so I flew home and my parents picked me up from the airport and I was just crying I threw up on the airplane I felt horrible and so the nurse shows up at like 10 o'clock that night and cannot get an IV in because I'm so so dehydrated. They spent two hours trying to get one in, couldn't do it, called another nurse to come. So at like 1 a.m. they finally got an IV in my arm and said, we're just going to start you on these lactated ringers. They put vitamin shots into it. And they said, you'll just be on like a 24-hour bag. Yeah, just to you know, try and combat that. So I thought, okay, this should help, you know? Yeah. Um, and I could take the bags with me if I needed to. Yeah. I could take a break from them if I needed to. It was just a little bandage kind of around my arm. So it was subtle too. Yeah. yeah. Not a big deal. Um, and Tracen was still gone, but I mean, I was fine. I was, they said, maybe you'll need, oh, <laughs> I feel like most people would be like, I no, do this by no. And you're like, my parents were great, but they said, my doctor had said maybe a couple weeks at the most. You'll just, you know, get your footing. Like once you're hydrated, you can slowly work up to eating some food, and then you'll be fine. You know. Yeah. So I was like, okay, sounds good. I'll be great. Um, no. Again, after ten days of IVs, I still couldn't eat or drink. We called my doctor. I had my first real checkup 
you know, because you're supposed to go in, you know, eight to that nine weeks. So I was, yeah, nine weeks or whatever. Went in. Or no, I wasn't quite. I was eight weeks. Went in. They said I had my actual appointment yeah. with him. He did all my blood work, you know, urinalysis, everything. They said, okay, you should probably get in to see an MFM, a maternal fetal medicine doctor, kind of a high risk doctor I said okay so I called they said we're three weeks out we're really booked I said I do not have three weeks to wait to see you yeah yeah so luckily I called my friend whose dad was is yeah is an MFM so I called her we hadn't told any of our friends that we were pregnant but I called her I'm like hi I'm pregnant I need to see your dad she was amazing she called him and they called me 10 minutes later and said Oh, Dr. Porter wants to see you That's amazing. this Friday, which it was such a blessing. Yeah. So I go in to see him. I was just so weak at this point. Like I remember standing at the desk trying to sign in papers like registration and just couldn't even stand. Like my mother-in-law was holding me up and I was throwing up in a bag like while signing the forms and stuff. So they get me back. He walks in and sees me and says, we're admitting you today. You need a feeding tube. Because at the beginning, like, you don't need much for the baby. You know, everyone says that. But you need something. Yeah. Like, she's taking, well, at the time we didn't know she was a she, but they're taking everything from you at the time, you know. And you have nothing to give. That's why I'm losing weight so rapidly because they didn't. Like, at this point, how much weight had you lost? Probably about 20 pounds. Yeah. You weigh like 100 pounds. Oh, no. But for real, though, like, no. Yeah, it was 90 pounds. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was about 115 pounds, but it was, it felt small. Like, I just felt frail. Yeah. So they said, We're admitting you, you need a feeding tube. We'll put it in your nose. It's an NJ tube, a nasojejunal tube. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to admit you. I called Trace and he booked a flight to come home the next day. Um, So they admitted me, placed the tube. I woke up. Um, and yeah, it was just this tube coming out of my nose, taped around my nose to my face. And it was so uncomfortable. Mm. I'd swallow and I could feel it at the back of my throat. Like I could open my mouth and you saw a tube down my throat, Mm -hmm. which was just so weird. So interesting to me. And just, I don't, yeah. And the tube, the first day, so they start these feeds. They're basically like a protein shake. They look like a protein shake. You shake them up, put them in your bags. They don't taste like one. They but. probably do not. <laughs> don't recommend Honestly, them. Yeah, do not recommend But they're just me. straight caloric, you know, mm-hmm. food feed yes, just for to me. Get yeah. In you. So the first day, it clogged like it had yeah. moved because I was gagging. I was still having the urge to yeah. throw up. So the first twenty four hours, I was gagging on the tube, choking on the tube, and it moved it. So then the feeds weren't flowing, so they had to take me back in to x-ray and adjust it, kind of pull it in and out to get it to flow again. So they taught me how to work it and sent me home, home to my parents, yeah. So we started my feeds, and it was a 24-hour feed at that point. So they said, we're just going to hope this works, good luck, and I was nine weeks at that point. Like, how were you feeling? Because I'm like, yeah. in, in literally, what, five weeks, you found out when you were four yeah. weeks pregnant, you, like, found out you were pregnant, mm-hmm. like, thrown up a bunch, uh-huh. now you're with an MFM, yeah. now you have a feeding tube, yeah. like, 
Your husband's I was in another just, state. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. In my head, I was like, it kind of didn't feel real. Mm-hmm. I mean, the throwing up felt very real. I, <laughs> yeah. trust me, that was very real. <laughs> but I kind of was in disbelief. And in my head, I just kept thinking, okay, people say after the first trimester, you get better. So I was like, at this point, I'm only a couple weeks away, right? Yeah. Or a few weeks. So I just thought, okay, keep going, you know, keep, yeah. keep plugging away. And I, I mean, quick rewind, when I started my IVs, my OB said, this is called HG, hyperemesis gravidarum. It affects about 1% to 2% of all pregnancies. And when you get to the point of needing IVs, that's kind of when we diagnose you. So I said, okay, I have hyperemesis. They say, they just call it hyperemesis or HG most of the time. It's kind of a mouthful. But they said people with this it usually lasts beyond the first trimester but in some cases it'll clear up you know so I just thought okay it's gonna gonna clear up yeah Yeah. so I just kept thinking it would clear up at 11 and a half weeks we had done genetic testing um we found out she was a girl but she was perfectly healthy that's what they kept showing on all my scans like look she is growing she's measuring right on track my due date was November 24th I was like, this is going to be the longest months of my life. (laughs) But we were just plugging away. And because you were seeing MFM, did you see them like weekly? Um, Bi-weekly, maybe tri-weekly. I'm trying to remember. But I'd still do check-ins with both my OB and my MFM. So they didn't just completely hand me off. Mm -hmm. Because he said, my OB at the time said, by the time the baby comes, you shouldn't be seeing an MFM anymore. So you'll be back to me. So we'll see you. That's awesome. So I met with him at 13 weeks, just my OB. Okay. We did an ultrasound. He's amazing. Um, my mom was with me. And I just remember at that point, I was starting to get really down. I just felt, like, really drained at this point and overwhelmed. And I thought, okay, 13 weeks, like, second trimester, I still have 27 weeks to go. And hearing that just felt super overwhelming. And I remember I was laying in his room when he was doing a ultrasound and we heard her heartbeat and I just started bawling and I just felt really, really overwhelmed. And he looked at me and he said, can, do you want to stay pregnant? Like, can you do this? And I was just like, no, like I can't, but I'm going to like, I, I know that like this baby is coming and I'm you know, I can't wait to meet her. And, but yeah, he said like at this point with how horrible you feel and how sick you are, I have to ask you if like, this is something you can do, like you can continue to do because you're like, this is kicking your butt. And I, I mean, I was so, my mom was in there and she said like, we're worried about her, like hurt my dad and that and my mom were saying like we're concerned for her mental well-being at this point you know um so he said let's try clonazepam so it's a sedative clomid is the you know the off brand or the medication that they'll give you it's a sedative sometimes used for people with like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or something that it literally is a sedative and he said, we're going to try this so you can zone out for the next few weeks so that you don't need to 
be in your body and realized yeah yeah, how miserable you are so i was like okay i like anything at this point like my medication the anti-nausea did not do anything no it didn't come close to touching it yeah nothing did um I'd maybe sip on a smoothie sometimes. That was like some random things that I could get down. And they just kept saying, try to eat. Yeah. Like anything, if there's anything that sounds good for a second, get it in your body. Um, so I started a sedative at 13 weeks pregnant. And they said, we just want to monitor you closely because, I mean, whatever you're getting, the baby's getting. So yeah. obviously this sedative is going to my baby. So they just monitored it closely. I was on the lowest dose possible mm-hmm. while still, you know, feeling yeah. the effects of it effectively. So I started that and went home and instantly felt the effects. Like I remember getting in the bath, sitting in the bath, and I could disconnect from my tubes at time. It would come out about a foot from my nose, um, but I could clamp it off, screw a lid on it, like a cap on it, and take a break from being fully connected to the tube. But it's just the most claustrophobic feeling, having this thing that just was down my throat. And I had to, yeah, I had to flush it. I'd screw on syringes and flush it with water a couple times a day, put my medication through it, my tubes, my bags. It was exhausting. But I remember, yeah, the sedative instantly made a difference. I was sitting in the bathtub, and I remember I looked at my phone, and it had been an hour and a half that I'd been sitting in the bath, and I said, oh my gosh, where am I? Like it, it was so weird. But at that point I didn't even care. I just said, I need to get through this. And Trayson was flying home about every other weekend, every weekend, every other weekend to just be with me for a few days. I just am so grateful for him. But but even like trying to do long distance in this. We were newlyweds. We'd been married for four months, five months. And we were just seeing each other a few times, and it was really it tough. Was so hard. It was, but again, like. But look at you now. Yeah, just <laughs> we just had to do it. We didn't really have another option. Um, June first, I remember one night I felt like I could eat. I told my dad like, "Will you go get Costa Vida? I'm just gonna eat like just a chicken taco, which is like chicken tortilla, some rice." Yes. It sounded good. I ate it. I was like, this is awesome. Like, Amazing. I feel good. Yeah. I was sitting at the table and grabbed the takeout bag and started retching into it, like, instantly. Same. But, it, I mean, it felt fine. I was like, I feel good. This is awesome that I can eat. I ran to the bathroom. I was throwing up. I threw my tube up out my mouth about, probably about a foot and a half of the tube was looped out my mouth. So you're literally so it's, like, yeah, it's in my nose. nose. I'm holding it in my mouth, but the end didn't come out. You know, it, it's not yeah, like it's I threw like up the, the end. Loop. It was a long loop. Oh, and I'm holding it and I'm yelling for my mom and dad to come in. They come running in. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I slowly am like feeding, feeding it, back, it down. back down my throat, swallowing it as I go, bawling. Yeah. Just like, oh my gosh, what is going like, on? All I wanted yeah. Was a freaking Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I called the doctor they said you should go into the er to make sure it's in place because yeah. if it's not and you're not getting the feeds you're going to get really sick again yeah. so we went in it was basically the middle of the night they come in check me they said okay it looks like it's good um you're good to go go home start your feeds again started my feeds again everything was good 
Um, but at that point, even though I was still feeling sick and throwing up, I was eating bits of things. I don't even remember what I was eating. I don't remember a lot of that point. Um, but I was able to eat some things. But at this point, my mental state, even with the sedative, the claustrophobia is the best way I can explain it, was the tube. Um, and it was very evident, like, that it was there when I'd go out in public. Like, I'd sometimes go to my in-laws. I couldn't drive, obviously, because I was on the sedative. But my, I'd go to my in-laws to hang out sometimes. Or I'd go out with my mom to run errands. And everyone would just look at me like, it. you could see it the second you looked at me. I just had this tube coming out of my nose. So... It was just like a very visual reminder of how sick I was. And people would look at me. People probably thought I had cancer or something. I was just going to say, people probably didn't know what it was for. Yeah, but people would stare at me. Kids would stare at me, um, which was, I mean, I didn't care. but No, but it is just one more thing. Like, yeah, like, just a reminder. go yeah. on errands without yeah. being like, yo, leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> like there was a little girl in line at a grocery store. I remember that had cancer I remember like she was bald she was probably nine with her mom and she pointed at me and like knew what it was like like, she was talking to her mom like look like I had that I was like oh so sad for you like now when I see people with them I'm like oh my heart just goes out to you it is miserable so I yeah they I just couldn't do it anymore I told my doctor I cannot have this anymore So they said we could try a J-tube. So it's just a jejunal tube. So it basically bypasses the feet of tube that goes through your nose, down your throat, into your um, intestine. So I said I will try anything at this point. Like I just need a change. And I was 20 weeks at this point. My 20-week scan was great. She's great growing. Look, there she is growing. I'm like, well, at least she's thriving, right? Because I'm not. Um, I say that sarcastically, but it was such a blessing knowing that she was healthy and growing gave me so much peace of mind. Yeah, because I can't imagine me having been struggling on top of knowing, like, is she healthy? Is she okay? She was great. So that was good. Babies are amazing. They're so resilient. So at 20 weeks, they said, let's try getting a J-tube. Like, let's just try it. Like, what worst that happens is you hate it and we take it out and then we try the nose tube, like, you know, yeah. try something else. And looking back, Trayson does say like, you were getting better. I was, but I think mentally I was so nervous that if we just went tube free that I was going to get sick again, mm-hmm. that I just wasn't even willing to try it. I just yeah. said like, we need, I need something. I need the tube. I need the tube. I felt just so dependent on it. I was still on my sedative. Yeah. Um, just wasn't ready to stop so I met with it was actually a family friend that placed my j-tube they took my nose tube out on July 6th and the next day I got the the j-tube and that was just horrible they went I remember I went in for surgery when I woke up I was in recovery and they were doing an ultrasound and there were about nine doctors around me. And I remember thinking, like, what's going on? But I, I remember looking over at the ultrasound machine. And they could see her. Like, I could see her. Yeah. 
and she was moving. I don't even remember what they were saying, but I remember I looked up at the doctor that had placed the tube. He was just a general surgeon. And I said, like, how'd it go? And he, like, couldn't, he wouldn't look at me. And I remember I was like, hello, like, is everything okay? I mean, you come out of surgery, you're so drugged. Like, I was under full general anesthesia. Like, it was a intensive surgery, surgery. Yeah. yeah. I remember no one would really talk to me or look at me. I did not know what was going on. And I remember I fell back asleep. It was the weirdest experience. And I got back to my room and like they wheeled me into you know my own room they said I was going to be there for recovery for a couple days and I woke up my nurse was there I was like where's my mom where's my husband like oh we'll go get them they came in and they just looked like so blank faced like it was the weirdest thing I was Mm -hmm. like hello like I remember my husband came on my right side and my mom came on my left side and they both like held my hand and I was like what's going on like I was yelling and I was sobbing I was like is my baby okay am I okay like what's going on and like they literally couldn't look at me I was like oh my gosh and I remember my mom looks and she said everything's okay the baby's okay they nicked your placenta um they don't know what's gonna happen they're monitoring you very closely there is a slight bleed it's bleeding. Um, we we don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, what in the world? You're like, as if I could not get more No, seriously. So I have this tube now and like it's just left in my belly button a couple inches. It's all taped up. I can't see it. It's so sore. My stomach just hurt so bad. I didn't know what, you know, what was what to expect. Yeah, like, but it was okay. just so painful. Um, they were coming in and doing blood work, checking my blood work because they were able to see if I was having a bleeder. They'd just see like my your hemoglobin, yeah, hematocrit, yes. Like, so it the first reading was off, very off. Mm. So they were concerned, but I wasn't actually bleeding like yeah, vaginally or anything. Yeah, so they they just said like. If you start bleeding a ton, call us. If you start having contractions, call us in. Like, I didn't know what to expect. Like, I'm, am I going to go into labor? And in my head, I was like, 20 weeks. Like, oh, if I have her at 20 weeks, like, that's okay. Like, they can fine. do something, right? And in my head, that's what I was thinking. And but like, just to, like, throw in, like, a, a baby, a fetus is only viable. Like, 24 weeks. 24 yeah. Like, a yeah. will take on a fetus. Yeah. But I didn't, no one said that to me. And in my head, I was like, 20 weeks, like halfway there, like you can do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so they checked my levels and they were really low. So they were like, we think you're bleeding internally. Um, Like you, at this point, you would just like literally deliver the baby and we, there's nothing we would do. Um, And my husband was just like so emotional too, just. He's not emotional. Yeah. I'm like, I have like a headache. I know. I know. Like my hands are literally like shaking, thinking about it all again. But they came in and said like, we think you're okay. Like once you make it 24 hours, we'd think like you'll be okay. So if you like make it 24 hours, maybe it was just a small nick and it'll heal itself and you'll be fine. 
Because your levels, like, you can have something like that. When you have surgery, like, yeah. you can have a small neck. Yeah. You'll bleed internally, but your body will reabsorb. Yes. So, so that's we just, yeah, we levels. just didn't know what yeah. would happen. So but you just you kept checking. Not. Like, yeah. you have an internal bleed and your stomach gets suspended yeah. and you deliver your baby. Totally. Like, yeah. So we just didn't, didn't know. Yeah. Um, and that night I started having this, like, chest and shoulder pain. I couldn't take a breath. I thought I was dying. I was yelling out to my husband and mom, I'm dying. And turns out it was gas pain, which no one had told me about, but they had obviously inflated my abdomen to get access to my uterus and everything to, you know, separate my uterus, separate my intestines, just get the tube in. And the gas rose to my shoulders and my chest and I've never felt pain like it in my life. I was screaming. I thought I was dying. I like I can't even explain it. And I've spoken to some people who have had surgery since that have said I know exactly what you're talking about. And this is like really common with C-section births. Oh, I'm sure. This gas pain travels up to their shoulder, oh. and nobody tells no anyone about it. And it's like a very normal thing. Oh. Like it's very expected from the medical side. Yeah. But to experience no, it I as said a patient, I'm having like, a heart attack I'm or something. Dead. I couldn't because the slightest bit of inhale moved my chest moved my shoulder I no I was dying like I will go to my grave saying like goodbye I was about to pass away (laughs) I'm not kidding I was done for it was unreal and my like my mom and husband are like what is going on yeah you can't have a heart attack no seriously (laughs) so I'm like knock me out like do something I can't like I can't do this so that just like went away after a few hours yeah, but were they able to give you like some they gave me something yeah, yeah right. i don't even know but it slowly got better but it was unreal i'm like so i'm bleeding out i'm also having a heart attack no it's chest pain no it's gas pain like you're telling me this is gas, gas? like yeah freaking right yeah. like <laughs> no like, it's not get an EKG now. <laughs> seriously but that just like went away and the next day like my mom and husband told me what happened when the doctor had come out from surgery and a nurse came out and said, you know, because they can see on the board, like, where... Yeah. And yeah, and they said, it. like, this was supposed to be really fast, and it had taken way longer than expected. So mm-hmm. someone comes out and says, like, will you come into this room with us? Like, the doctor, like, Zoe's out of surgery, can... Or your, you know, your loved one's out of surgery, can you come in this back room? And they're like, okay. did she die? Like... No, seriously, like, what, you, you can't just come tell me, like, she's out of surgery, she's in recovery. So they go into this private room, and our family friend comes in, the doctor, and looks at them and starts sobbing. Can't even get a word out, like, puts his hand, like, his head is in his hands, in his lap, and he's sobbing, and my mom's like, what's going on? Like, you need to tell us, like, they hadn't heard anything. Like, I bet that was terrifying. Well, I can't imagine, because they're assuming the worst. No, seriously. You know? Like, like tracing like, in his head is like, is my wife dead? Is my baby dead? Like, what just happened? And he finally looks up and tells them, like, I nicked. So it was with with one of the... Like, with a laser? Like, a cauterizer? Y- yeah. So something just had, like, gone in, and my uterus was just, like, close up to the skin. So when they were, like, putting the tube in or something i don't even know the details of it but it just like nicked and they just saw it start bleeding and obviously like if i'm bleeding out like they told he told them which again like i didn't know at the time 
if she delivers this baby, there's nothing we can do. Like, she's 20 weeks. Like, we will not intervene whatsoever. Which, luckily, in my mind, like I said, I had thought, like, 20 weeks, I'll be okay. Which, that got me through those 24 hours, that, like, false hope in my head that she'd be okay if I did deliver. Because I can't imagine what my mom and Trayson were thinking at the time. Like, if we deliver this baby, like, nothing. There's nothing we can do. So... He was, the doctor was just crying, so emotional, couldn't look at them. He felt horrible. I think, I I mean, I'm sure any doctor would feel horrible, but like a family friend, it was really hard for him to like know what I had been through and then to think like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. Like if something goes wrong and she loses this baby after everything she's been through, like it was horrible. But I just, they sent me home. They showed me how to work my tube and the bleeder just yeah just reabsorbed and everything was fine which was such a miracle truly um and yeah I just went home they showed me how to work it it's so interesting how it works like I'd have to spin the tube every day so it wouldn't like stick to the walls they had taken my intestine and tacked it up to the side of my abdomen it still is you can see like it's still against my abdominal wall um so there was the tube in and then three sutures in a triangle around it holding it up against my skin um and i just feed tubes through it almost 24 hours a day i could disconnect and what was nice about this one was that i could put my shirt over it and no one knew i had it you know Mm -hmm. so again it was one of those things that it was kind of a trade-off but recovery from that was horrible I'm like in retrospect because like we said kind of a couple minutes ago, Trayson thought you were like getting better at this yes. point. Like you might not have needed yeah. a tube. Like yeah. in retrospect were you like Why I did I do this? Do that again. Yeah, absolutely. So looking back, especially like with how scary that was, like I felt horrible looking back because I feel like Trayson almost felt inspired that I shouldn't do the J tube surgery. He said, like, you're doing better, babe, like Let's try it. Let's just try a week without it. And I was just so scared of going back to, like, the deepest, darkest place that I was in, like, feeling so sick that I just was so scared to try it. And then, like, with the scare of the surgery, if we had lost her, I just would have felt so guilty knowing that, like, he didn't think I should do it. And, I mean, he was supportive regardless. And luckily everything worked out. But looking back, like, I couldn't sit up out of bed on my own for about a week and a half like I was just so sore and tender and it was horrible like you said it's it's a big surgery it's like a major surgery yeah Yeah. so it I mean it changed like the whole composition of my insides like Mm -hmm. I still now have my intestine tacked against the wall of my stomach so that was hard that was really really hard and looking back yes like you said I just would not have would not have done it yeah um at about I'm trying to think 24 weeks I got off my sedative I was just feeling emotionally so much better um which at this point is the summer over no it was no Trey was still there it was July 25th that I started going off my sedative and we had to wean me off of it slowly because I mean, I could have withdrawals from this. Like, I could have serious withdrawals. And the baby, obviously, like, she was getting it. And so we had to monitor her, how she was reacting to slowly going off of it. But 
I just felt emotionally so much better. Even though I still had my tube in, I was able to eat, Mm -hmm. which was so nice. Yeah. Which I didn't really have, like, a weird react. A lot of people with HG can develop, like, eating disorders or, like, estranged relationships with food. Yeah. Yeah. I was really lucky in that once I was able to eat again, I just felt like like I I could eat eat again. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't have this fear of eating. I didn't have anxiety when I ate. It just wasn't, I didn't have that. Luckily, I feel very blessed that that wasn't a lingering problem for me. Um, Because, yeah, a lot of people do. And so I felt very lucky not to have that experience on top of everything else I experienced. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I love more to the list. Yeah. (laughs) But I was 26 weeks when I got my feeding tube out. So I only had that for about six weeks. Okay. Which, again, looking back, I maybe didn't need it. Mm. Um, But the – it, I'm glad I did it. A part of me is glad because if in any of my next pregnancies I do need feeding tubes, I know that I will never get a J-tube again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, been there, done that. Yeah. And they say that with hyperemesis, there's about an 80 to 90% chance it will reoccur in my future pregnancies. And they say it gets progressively worse. <laughs> If that's even possible. Yeah, like, how in the world? Yeah, like, tell me two ways that it could get worse. You can't. Yeah. No. But, I mean, it could last 40 weeks. Knock on wood. Here I am saying that. Like, crap. (laughs) Yeah. But it doesn't. (laughs) But at 26 weeks, I got it out and just felt better. I mean, I'd still throw up occasionally. I'd still get bouts of nausea. But I was taking Zofran. Like, that was freaking tic tacs like i was they were giving me the liquid like at that point i was just like drinking it and i was just taking like i was flying through bottles like if i did not have my constant flow of zofram like it probably would have been much worse but at that point my body yes it was working so like i will take whatever i can you know but i just the tube started irritating me really bad like my stomach was growing at this point because I mean I was yeah. almost in my almost third, third trimester. trimester. Yeah. I was getting bigger and the incision was starting to like split. Yeah, so it was mm-hmm. like there was a long like a stretch mark almost forming along my incision. Um, it was just so tough. Like I couldn't. It was so oh that that tube was horrible too. They were both horrible. Like, they're both horrible. And, like, my background's in cancer. Mm-hmm. That was, like, what I did before yeah. I did labor and delivery. And, like, every cancer patient, like we talked yeah. about, has, like, a J-tube or an NG-tube or, like, yeah. some sort of tube. And just seeing, like, the recovery after surgery or, like, the constant use, like, everything that goes into it, it's no joke. No, and it's, like, like a full-time job dealing it. with it. Legitimately. Like, Every night I'd go in and there were these bags that fed into it. You had to fill one bag up with water because they flush every hour to make sure your tube doesn't clog and to just get you hydrated. And then you're dumping protein shakes into a bag, adjusting your feed on your pump monitor. If you go anywhere, you're putting it in this backpack. Yes, it's my parents were angels every night helping me with my tubes because Trayson was still gone at this point. They were coming in. And I'd every night wheel my, you know, I had a Your big pull, <laughs> wheel my pull in, fill it up with water, fill it up with feeds, drain your pump. You have to feed the pump through the line to get clean it so the there's line. no air getting in yeah. your line. Clean the incision spot. Like there we were putting antibiotic ointment all around it so it didn't get infected. And then you had to spin. There's like a little 
plastic stopper to make sure the tube wasn't going in or out. Like, yeah. you had to make sure it was in place. You had to spin it in a full circle every night to make sure my skin around it wasn't growing. And that was so painful. And it was horrible. <laughs> so brutal. when it was time to get it out, just because I was like, at this point, I will force feed myself. But it was just, I think it was infected maybe. It hurt so bad. So we went to the family friend's house and he said I'm just gonna pull it out yeah like I'm literally gonna rip this out but there's a stopper on the inside as well so if the tube's only the size of a pencil going in there's a plastic you know floppy plastic but a plastic stopper behind it to make sure that it doesn't fall out so he said when I pull it like there's say your incision's the size of a dime it's not it's way smaller but we're gonna pull something the size of a quarter out of it you know it's gonna fold in to come out but we're just gonna yank it i'm like oh my gosh you're kidding uh, i'm laying on this couch in this house holding trayson's hand his wife's literally holding me still and he just counted down from three and yanked it and that that pain was comparable to my shoulder gas pain (laughs) but it hurt and it started spurting blood oh my gosh yeah just like blood pew ever i was like oh my gosh he just like threw a towel on it and he just said, it's going to heal itself. Like, you don't need, stitches we don't need stitches. Anything. You don't need anything. It's just going to heal. Yeah. So it just, it literally did within like 24 hours. I said, should I not get it wet? He's like, you're fine. It's going to heal so fast. Crazy. At least the, you know, the, the intestinal inside. wall is just yeah. going to like close right up. And it did. And I just, from there on out, just force fed myself basically. Mm-hmm. You're um, and I moved back out to California with Trayson just at the That's very amazing. end. He, I was at, it was the end of August, very end of August. Okay. He was home for most of August for weddings. We had, we got okay. sealed. Um, his brother got married, so we were just all together. Had a busy month, anyway. Yeah. But I moved out with him for like two weeks. Kind of You're funny. Like, wow, it was just like, wow, well, so fun. Like summer in California <laughs> with my husband. You're on the beach with my Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No. <laughs> But we were there for just two weeks packing up our apartment that we had yeah. paid rent for that he just that lived he in probably by himself. was in for like five hours a day because Seriously. Are yeah. <laughs> but we just drove back home. We lived with our parents for a second because we had rented our town home. Okay, yeah, in Lehigh. Yeah. But we like by the grace of God, our renter just moved out early. She said, like, Oh, I found a place and moved out. So we were able to get settled before baby came. And I had an induction scheduled at 39 weeks because, um, excuse me, that was the worst 39 weeks of my life. Yeah, my OB was amazing. He was like, if you want to be done, like, we can be done, you know. Obviously, like, letting me get to full term and everything. But he was like, 39 weeks, like, pencil it in. We schedule it. So November 16th, I had an induction scheduled. Um, And at this point, I was so not worried for, like, labor delivery at all. You probably hadn't even had time to think about no. it. No. <laughs> and in my head, like, I, my whole life had been so excited to be a mom. Yeah. That I was, like, I thought that I was going to have, like, the best pregnancy. I was so excited to be pregnant. I'd see pregnant women, and I was, like, oh, I can't wait to be pregnant. Like, like no, <laughs> that was not my experience. But I was excited for labor. Yeah. I just was. I'm totally honored. I love it. Yeah. Like, I love it. I'm, like, yeah. I'd, Give no, birth every I would give birth every day for nine months yeah. instead of, like, being physically pregnant. I seriously, like, 
100 times over i've said that and people are like yeah well that's not an option <laughs> like i know but i, wish I know but if i could <laughs> i seriously loved loved that so i was really excited for it um uh, about like the light at the end of the tunnel no seriously like, like and everyone had been telling me the whole time it's gonna be worth it it's gonna be so worth it and i was like yeah 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 like whatever but truly so i just was getting so close but you reach the end and I was so uncomfortable, which everyone, I know yes. everyone gets to that point, but I think I was so worn down from all those Absolutely. months of just like, I was exhausted. I felt like I had been pregnant for 17 years. Yeah. It seriously felt like the longest summer of my life and fall. I just was so, so done and I would cry to Tracen every night. Given, I mean, I would take the uncomfortability, like the discomfort yes. over the sickness a million times yes. again yes, yes, but i think but the discomfort was made worse by all the months of just like trials totally. that i had been through i was just so done but we were in our house finally we were getting close i was counting down at my 37 week appointment i was dilated to a one i was like oh she's gonna come early this is awesome <laughs> And I was really hoping she'd come on her own without needing to get induced. But again, I was like, I'm going to get induced. Yeah, I'm not. Like, if she doesn't. Yeah, if she I'm doesn't. Like, November 16th, ready. here we come. Um, but yeah, at 38 weeks, I was still just at a one. And at 38 weeks and two days, I started having contractions. I remember I was like, okay, it was, we were in like the Nielsen's drive through I was getting some ice cream and. I felt one, and I'd had some Braxton Hicks, but I felt one, and I just wrote it down on my phone, you know, 6.30. I didn't even tell Trey. We started driving home, and it was about 10 minutes later, 6.40, wrote it down, had another. So they started every 10 minutes, and I told him, I was like, I think I'm starting to have contractions. He's like, okay, well, you know, we'll see. That night, didn't really sleep. They were still every 10 minutes. Woke up the next morning, every 10 minutes. And that was November 13th. So this is three days before my induction. Okay. Um, still 10 minutes, you know, went out, got some things done. Still 10 minutes. Not pain. Like, they weren't painful, you no. know. They, yeah. But, but like, they were consistent. Yeah. Like, okay, they were consistent happening. enough that I was thinking, okay, this is, you know, I think yeah, I'm starting labor, to probably. be in labor. Yeah. Yeah. That night, I lost my mucus plug. Okay. And... Some women do, some women don't. Uh-huh. And, like, it can be a sign of early labor. Yes. But it also can be, like... I read that, like, grows back. Grows some back. people yeah, are, like, so. yeah, I didn't go into labor for three weeks, so I just didn't know. But I, like, but Googled, like, okay. like, lost mucus plug, and I was, like, oh, 100%. Like, that's what it was. Baby. Yes. <laughs> I was, like, oh, my baby's coming. <laughs> lost my mucus plug. No. But that night, my contractions got long. Like, they'd last a long time, and they hurt. But they still weren't any closer together. So I told Trey, like, I'd like to go into labor and delivery just to get checked so I can get an idea of, like, at least tell me I've dilated a little bit more, yeah. you know, so yes. I can know that, like, my body's doing what it's supposed to yeah. um, and I'm getting closer maybe. I knew they were going to turn me away. It's not like I thought I was going to go in and they were going to yeah. say, oh, you're in labor. Let's go. You're like, I just but I just see. wanted to know. So we get in. They check me. They say, okay, you're at a three, Amazing. 80% of face. So I was at a one and 70. So I was at a three and 80. They're like, you're getting there, but yeah, like you're not, they're not close enough together yet, but they could see like the regular contractions on the screen. I was stoked, but I was tired. I mean, I hadn't slept in what, like, yeah, (laughs) at that point it had been a long time. I was really, really tired. 
they said we're gonna give you a shot of morphine tracin they like sent him out go get the car we're gonna wheel her out in a wheelchair she's literally gonna fall asleep like this is gonna knock her out so he goes out gets the car they give me the shot wheel me out i'm like um aren't i supposed to feel some relief aren't i supposed to fall asleep nothing okay didn't touch nothing it. did not touch it went home i'm like that's good i'm okay, exhausted cool. <laughs> again no sleep that night didn't sleep woke up the next day november 14th i'm like we're getting close right but still just not any closer together still every 10 minutes but we went up to salt lake to see our families that day i said let's just bring our bags let's bring our dogs so that yeah we can leave her with my parents so we went to trey's parents house for lunch and they were getting closer together i could tell they were maybe eight every eight minutes and i was just pacing his parents floor just like i'd stop on the piano you know feel my contraction start moving again and I remember Trayson's mom saying to him like I think I think she's in labor like they were every like six minutes at this point she's like maybe you should take her in Trey's like I I can't make her go in she keeps saying at that point I did not want to go in and get turned away again so I was like I'm waiting until I am which like that is so in labor first baby I did kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. I was like early labor we went in I got checked I was at like a three yeah and they were like hey like it's not close enough like, yeah go home. and i was so discouraged yeah i was like i just want to have the totally baby. i know so many people get there where you and you just don't i mean it's with your first time you're like you don't know heck maybe i am in real labor yeah. you know yeah. like no active idea. labor i don't know so and they always say like come get checked you know there's yes, no harm yes. in getting checked yeah. so yeah. that was good that yes. was really nice that they were super nice and but that next time I said, I'm not I'm going not in not until I know down. it's the real deal. Yeah. So we kept going, just plugging away. I'm like, there are six, five to six minutes now. Trey's mom's like, you should, you should go. go. <laughs> but my parents had went and picked up my favorite pizza for dinner. They're like, come over, yes. just like have a slice. Yeah, have a slice. <laughs> like, it'll be great before you go in. So I was really stoked. We're yeah. going to go. We got to my parents. We sat down to eat. I could not sit still. I was like grabbing Trayson's leg, huddled over the couch, just like could not get comfortable. Couldn't even enjoy my pizza. Gosh <laughs> darn it. I was so bummed. But I said, okay, let's go. Yeah. They were like five minutes at this point consistently. Okay. And I feel like that's what they had told me. Like three yeah, to like five three minutes, to five, like come in. Yeah. So I went in and at this point I had not slept in like 52 hours. For more than maybe like an hour at a time, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I was exhausted. And I had gone into labor with no expectations. I had said like, maybe I could do it naturally. Like no epidural, maybe not. Like I was so open to whatever. Yeah. But I get in there. They're like, you're at a six. That's amazing. You are like 90% effaced. Yeah. You like, you're having this baby. And I was like, get me the epidural yesterday. Like. (laughs) call anesthesia when they told me that they were admitting me I started throwing up again because I think I was just like nervous overwhelmed excited and I was like only fitting that I closed my pregnancy out the way I started it right like bring it on so I started throwing up and they couldn't get an IV in of course because they're like so we need to get your IV in before we call anesthesia I'm like no you don't I'm at a six my contractions have not stopped in two and a half days like no I'm not having this So luckily they finally got an IV in and they couldn't get an IV in the night before either. So my 
arms were so bruised. They were like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm okay. So they finally get an IV in, call in a CJA. It's like a family friend comes in. He's talking to Trey. Trey, has I'm like, no, no, no. Get over here right now. Get this thing in my back. And I was not scared for the epidural. Like at that point, I was like. a lot of like unbased fear there no there is everyone's like the needle's this long and no it was painless seriously he's like we're gonna give you a small numbing shot great i felt that tiny bee sting i did not feel a thing there was he might he said you know you might hear a popping sound you might this that and the other it was so smooth for me and kind of like funny random thought i feel like in movies and stuff i've seen people get epidurals sitting up and I was laying down. down, which I think everyone is different, but that's just kind of a yeah, funny it's, side I think note. It's just kind of a provider preference because, yeah, um, really all they need is for like your back placement curved, to be arched. yeah, yeah. So it doesn't, or not, yeah, not arched, curved, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, my sister in law before had said we had asked our other sisters in law, and we had said, "Did you get your epidural sitting up or laying down?" And they said, "Laying down." We were like, oh, that's so weird. That's like, weird. usually people get them sitting up, like, or yeah. so we thought. Yeah. But, yeah, I got mine laying down, and it was, like, instant relief. Amazing. And I was like, this is amazing. It was, like, 9 p.m. point at this point. So this was two days before my induction. So I was like, sweet. Like, like I'm, having the, I'm having the baby. But my OB was supposed to be out of town, and he told me, like, I'll be back late the 15th, you know, the night before. So I was so sad. But I asked the doctor, like, who, or the nurse, my cute nurse, I said, who's the doctor on call? She said, Dr. Froer, which oh, is my doctor. Not. And I was like, no, it's not. He's out of town. You're wrong. Like, go check and see yeah. who it is, because now you just made me excited, and I know it's not my doctor. Yeah, he's like, in Arizona. He's she comes back in. She's like, it's Dr. Froer. He came back in a day early. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what a, what a blessing. <laughs> Seriously. So he walks in. He's like, hey, like, I'm going to break your water. And then you can sleep. Like, let's break your water just to, like, progress things, yeah. keep things going. Because, you know, sometimes the epidural will slow things down. Mm-hmm. Um, so he broke my water, and it was, like, the weirdest sensation. Everyone talks about that. But it was just, like, the warmest gush yeah. of everything. I don't know. But I could still feel my legs. Like, or I could still move my legs. I couldn't feel them. But I could totally move them around. That's amazing. No problem. Um, yeah, which was fun. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I mean, that's, like, that's a good sign of a really good episode yeah if you can still kind of move around yeah and not have the sensation totally so, so i was able to fall asleep which was so, so nice, welcomed I, I just think looking back i would love to try and have an unmedicated birth in the future if yeah. possible but i think that having been in labor for 52 hours at that point i just like was so tired so if one day i just go into labor and my contractions are close together i would love to try that but i just think I was like, no, I yeah. needed the sleep. And that's yeah. what the epidural provided me at that point, which was such a blessing. So we fell asleep. They came in, kept checking me. I just kept progressing. Amazing. And at 4 a.m., they were like, okay, you're complete. Let's go. Let's. Tracen's just waking now. up on the couch. We're just, let's go. Let's get this going. Started throwing up again, of course. Just of course. had to <laughs> put my own little signature on labor and delivery. My doctor walks in. We did some practice pushes before he came in. They're like, there's her head. Let's go. Um, my contractions slowed to every four to five minutes when I was pushing, okay. which I felt like was yeah. unique, like yeah. slower. Usually they stay every two. Yeah, so they had slowed down, which was fine, but I'd push and then 
just like wait you know yeah, just push wait which that so i pushed for 45 minutes okay. just because and i it was only 10 rounds of pushing you know yeah, but yeah. they were just so spaced out and i told my doctor my one goal i did not want to tear I just felt like I had heard stories about, like, recovery after tearing or episiotomies or XYZ. I just told him, like, I would love to not tear. And he said, like, have you been doing, like, exercises for it? I was like, nope. I haven't done anything. Like, uh, I was just banking on you, like, taking care of that. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, I can try. Like, I can try to kind of, like, stretch you with my thumbs while yeah. you're pushing and stuff. And he did. He was great. I also think I'm sure if I... If he would have given me an episiotomy, she would have been here in two seconds. Yeah. But I just, like, didn't – I just didn't want that for totally. me personally. Totally. Um, so I just kept pushing, and he was great. And she came at 5.09 a.m., weighing 7 pounds, 15 ounces. She was Good a dog. chunk. That's amazing. She grew on just, like, protein shakes. Yeah, literally, literally straight caloric sure, intake. <laughs> she – seriously, she came out, and my doctor said, she is not small, and – put her on my chest and it was just so emotional realizing that like she yes and even in all of my darkest moments like I wasn't alone like she was there the whole time and now she was here and it was so worth it every second of it was just so worth it and I am very emotional like I cry about everything but I did not cry during like labor and delivery I just didn't think I would but the second she was actually here, I was so emotional. I just think I was so focused on, like, get her out, yeah. you know, yeah. power through. And then once she was there, I was just so overcome with emotion. And she was perfectly healthy. They checked her. They had the NICU team in there because I was also on an antidepressant that I've yeah. taken for years now. And sometimes babies that are on S or have moms on SSRIs. We'll have a hard time, you know, yeah, acclimating, time breathing, kind of breathing, adjusting. So the NICU so was in there. They just, like, checked her. She was great right away. They were like, mm-hmm. she's totally fine. Brought her back to me. We did skin to skin. She just, like, nursed right away. Oh, my gosh. It was just so smooth yeah. and perfect and amazing. Yeah. And like, all of our families came outside the window. We were, like, toward the front. We were right at the front of the hospital. So they all came stood out front and we like held her up to the window it was oh cute like a total covid I literally got the chills That's it was so the cute. best <laughs> it was just so great and it was exactly what i needed after Your my pregnancy. pregnancy like i i joked and said like i earned this but i did no girl you did like i earned an easy breezy labor and delivery and i got it and i felt so blessed and lucky how amazing and she just yeah she's just we went home 24 hours later like I just wanted to get out I was like I'm ready to get home I'm done with hospitals I'm done with all this but yeah like postpartum was a breeze for me compared to pregnancy I'm sure yeah like everything you'd been through up until like birth you're like oh seriously could be worse than this nope and like that's amazing she was a great sleeper she just girlfriend yeah I, I love her. Yeah. No, me too. I'm like, you're an angel. You make me want a hundred more. So, like, on that subject, though, because of your HG, mm-hmm. what, like, how has that affected maybe your family? Yeah. Planning? Yeah. So, my husband comes from eight kids. Yeah. I come from only three, but we always wanted a big family. Like, not eight kids big, but, yeah. like, but four or five, kids. six. Yeah. Like, we would love to have a big family. And 
I was just so scared. I was like, I, when I was pregnant, I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like, and we've been open to adoption before my pregnancy even. Like, we always talked about maybe wanting to do that. Yeah. But I said, like, I can never do this again. And now I'm, like, exactly nine months postpartum. I'm like, okay, let's have another baby. It's, which is crazy because it's honestly, like, I forgot. I didn't forget. I mean, clearly I can recall every detail of that. Like, it was miserable. Don't get me wrong. But she is just so amazing. And it's just, like, my greatest joy in life is being a mom. And I know and feel so strongly that, like, we are supposed to have more children regardless of how they join our family. But... I, like, having loved labor and delivery so much, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just want to do that again. When I see people that are in labor, like, going into labor, having my baby, I just get so excited and, like, jealous. I'm like, oh, I want to do that again. <laughs> so, <coughs> sorry. I, yeah, I we totally want more kids. So, we'll see. It'll be very telling to see how it, pregnancy goes with, a toddler with a baby like yeah. we'd love them close-ish together like I say two years yeah for sure um but I mean who knows yeah we just she luckily she is such a good baby that I feel like and obviously that could change you know as yeah, uh, she grows yeah the drop of a hat personality <laughs> but I feel like it would be doable doing it with her yeah depending on how old she is we'll have to see but we plan to have more kids i love that and you're amazing and (coughs) if your next pregnancy and any subsequent pregnancies like that you choose to have end up with hq like you're gonna do it yeah because you're amazing well you just like if i learned anything like you just get through it like you don't have another choice so you just do it and deal with whatever comes (laughs) your way and then the end reward is always worth it yes so we also looked into surrogate. I mean, yeah, we haven't surrogacy. looked into it seriously, but we've discussed surrogacy. It is so expensive. Crazy. Because you literally go through the IVF process. Yeah. You know, then, retrieval, yeah. fertilization, and the implantation, but in someone else. And then you pay and for all their stuff. It, yeah, yeah, and then there's a fee. So, yeah, we'll see just as we go how things go. We're just going to... Seriously, but still hoping to have a big-ish family one day like if my pregnancies weren't bad I would get pregnant today yeah like like, no question yeah Yeah. seriously yeah but we'll just see how that goes obviously well I guess in ending Zoe if you just had like one piece of advice for a mom out there that has HG oh (laughs) my gosh what would it be well first of all just like my heart seriously goes out to you and you are doing like the hardest thing in the world sorry and everyone will tell you like how worth it it's gonna be and it's so true um but like reaching out to other people that have experienced that is so helpful um you can just like find communities online like seriously you can just search like hashtag hyperemesis gravidarum like moms post about it moms that have been through it like 
if you share your personal experience online, someone knows someone that has been through that too and would be happy to connect you with them. And all of us moms that have been through it are so happy to like talk about our experiences just because we know how like isolating it can be and just power through it. There's something works different for everyone you know what worked for me might not work for you what works for you doesn't work for her it's just so different and every situation is different but you can do this and it will end like whether it's at 27 weeks whether it's at 38 weeks whether it's the second your baby comes out because it truly is the second your baby comes out you even the sickness I did feel at the end was gone the minute she was born so just know it will end and everyone tells you that and everyone has their own advice about it but just power through and know that you can do it because you can and it will be worth it in the end as much as Zoe and I laughed and joked throughout her story I think we all can agree on hearing her experience that it was one that required so much strength and resilience and love and ultimately just sacrifice. We really can't even begin to fathom everything she went through. Zoe is an incredible mother. She has lived every day for her daughter since the moment she found out she was pregnant. HG is a debilitating condition and one that feels so isolating. So if you or someone you know has received an HG diagnosis, reach out. Connect with Zoe. Let us help each other through the hardest times. Like she said, everyone's advice and coping is going to look a little bit different, but in the end, power through it. You can do it, and you will. And it will be worth it in the end. You got this, Mama. If you're not already, follow along on Instagram at undereducated.pod and catch us here next week for another episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.